If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, midweek editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you hope you do it all right. Some thoughts from Mickey Joseph coming up as he had the post-practice uh, sit down with the media. Travis Fisher also outlines some of the guys that have impressed him as uh, Saturday is getting nearer and nearer. Reminder, Roadshow Friday, single barrel inside the graduate. What to see you there for to six? Plenty of goodies to give away. Get yourself a big old steak before Saturday's shindig. And then uh, come on back Saturday morning where they're 930 to 1130. Part of the pregame for the spring game. It's uh, Roadshow Friday, four to six at the single barrel with Hale Varsity. 930 to 1130, the weekend edition flex scheduled. Uh, so you can get that breakfast buffet going and uh, find your way to Memorial Stadium. Numbers to get in today at 466-3776-800-825-5865. can email chris at hailvarsity.com and give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Elijah, what do you know, man? Did you uh, blow in with the wind? What's shaking? Well, uh, I was a little bit disappointed. I had the day off here yesterday so I could get out and go umpire some baseball. And what happens? But we get a rain out. So, so you 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 were rained out. Yeah. So we, I we played. Yeah, I was uh, just uh, about to to like hop in my car, start driving to the field, like sit, sitting in my car, about to pull away from my driveway. And that's when I get the call, like, "Hey, field's unplayable today. We're not going to be able to go." And I was I was really disappointed. So, uh, didn't get out and, and uh, enjoy the beautiful weather yesterday, unfortunately. But uh, today, uh, no complaints. Good. Yeah. Good. No, 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 nothing too exciting. Just uh, it's kind of that that Christmas Eve day before the Masters type feel. Where it's just like let's yeah. get this day over with so I can watch some some high quality golf tomorrow. Well, and we'll check in on golf. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey will check in on the Masters field. Shuey is on fire with predictions and uh, get his take on Tiger as well. And all accounts have Tiger being ready to go. We'll see what that means for. Uh, the weekend, if he can get to the weekend. Uh, we'll spend some time with Mike Babcock as we gear up for the spring football game on Saturday. Babbers in 15 minutes. We'll kick off Hour 2 with the Pirate. Mike Leach going to join us. They are in the thick of spring ball down in uh, Starkville. Uh, we'll spend a little bit of time on football, but more time on uh, on some baseball since it is opening day tomorrow. We can't really go golf with the Pirate because he's not a golf guy. Doesn't like golf, but uh, we'll talk some baseball with the Pirate. And no doubt you've got a couple of big-time premieres happening here in May. The final run of Ozark 
And, uh, of course, you, you wind down with Better Call Saul starting up on April 18th, two, uh, two shows that the, the coach uh, Leach is all in on. So we'll talk a little TV, and we got to talk a little pop culture, don't we, with the Pirates? Oh, for sure. The, the Will Smith uh, and uh, Chris Rock situation. So we'll talk to Mike Leach about that. That's in one hour. Steve Marek will be with us. Oscar Baseball gets in action tonight against UNO and a tune-up for Rutgers this weekend. What's Steve's take on Big Red Baseball? Have, have they turned a corner? Or did they beat a bad squad? <laughs> and uh, Steve will also spend some time, your Husker beat writer for Hale Varsity on spring ball. You have the numbers, can get in. So it's been tempered, to, to put it nicely, with uh, the anticipation slash excitement. And it's a broad take here. Some of you might be excited or geared up for the spring game. Some of you are going to do other things and you'll DVR it. It's a great chance to take the kids. It's a showcase for recruiting. That's the, the number one deal with Saturday is who's in and who's wowed, uh, specifically a guy named Mathis. You're hoping that as a Nebraska fan. But to me, uh, you know, this is the question. From a vibe standpoint of where you're at as a Nebraska fan, three and nine changes, uh, additions with the portal, some losses with the portal, I guess the temperature, if, if I put my medical coat on for two seconds, that's frightening. But the vibe, I would say, Elijah, agree, disagree, the vibe towards Nebraska football's improved. I think there's a little more optimism. You see the Kool-Aid takes on Twitter and social media. Either you're drinking it or pass it to me or uh, I'm, I'm good, thank you. I want to see it to believe it. That's absolutely accurate. I don't think you can make any crazy predictions of success based on uh, a Saturday scrimmage. But I think you can look at some of the changes that have been taken and implemented and that is a current work in progress. You're not standing pat. You've made changes. You've brought in an offensive coordinator. You've acquired some talent and done so at a high level portal-wise. So can it be better? It has to be, sure. But I think with some of the additions – and some of the options, I think you, you can look at a better fall based on not just status quo. You've made changes to get better. You've brought in some talented dudes, not just to wear that red end, but also you brought in some, some talented coaches that really know what they're doing. At least their track record has proven to know what they're doing. So I think the vibe has improved, and I think you'll see some things Saturday that – Maybe it'll give you a glimpse. It's not a full glimpse, probably more black and white than color with what the offense can be. Because, I mean, the questions are there, right? I mean, who's going to step up on the defensive line uh, with, with a Ty Robinson? What, what, what does Nebraska's D going to be? It's spring football. It's, it's one game, and it's a continued work in progress. Offensively, are you going to see the offensive line do some things they haven't done, i.e. move people? Are you going to get wowed and, and let your thoughts run wild in a positive sense with maybe some of the things you see from the running backs? And, and I think you've got some skill at wide receiver. For sure you do. Is that going to be tapped into and brought out? Is that going to emerge uh, to be some matchup advantages for Nebraska football come fall Saturdays? And I think you got a guy to 
uh, really coax out of people, out of these players, uh, some top-end talent. We'll get to Mickey Joseph in a minute. Travis Fisher, though, the back end, uh, you have lost a lot. <laughs> You've lost a lot of starts at safety, and you lost uh, Cam Taylor Britt. Travis Fisher spending a little bit of time when it comes to who is uh, who's impressed him. And with some of the, the thoughts, Tommy Hill, Quentin Newsom, those sound like the guys moving forward on the outside at corner to Sean Singleton, Miles Farmer, Buford, and Noah Pola Gates are the other rotations at, at uh, safety. And, and those are the guys that Travis Fisher was asked about and, and said, those are the guys that stand out to me right now. All of them have the, mental, the mentality, but those are the guys uh, that stood out this spring and displayed it daily uh, after today's practice. Uh, Singleton was in front of the, the media Monday, and uh, he was pretty heavily complimented. Of course, he's the JUCO transfer. Uh, he offers a lot, big safety, able to tackle, can also cover and run, and he can play quarter two and, uh, in that slot. So, you know what, we're, we're also uh, wondering, you know, how do things shake out with the JoJo role? We spent a little bit of time on it yesterday, but that's something that'll be interesting to see uh, on uh, on Saturday, who's stepping up and who's thriving, Kolarvik or or a, a GIF, right? Those are the two guys and maybe some other names. And when you, you talk about how the, 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 the mood around the team, the, the sentiment regarding the team from the coaching staff has changed from last year to this year, I think it's interesting to see that last year it was all about the defense living up to the expectations, living up to what we know they could do. Can, can they go out and do what we have seen from them over the past couple of years? Can, can they live up to that? And the offense was about going and living up to the potential, living up to what we think these guys can do with, with, with some development and whatnot. And it's almost flipped this year. We're not with the offense. It's You've got some transfers coming in that you've seen what they've done at previous stops. You know what they can do. You've seen from guys like uh, Omar Manning, guys like Ramir Johnson, uh, guys like Travis Volklik. You've seen the talent there, and, and this year it's about can they live up to what we know they can do, and it's almost flipped where now the defense is can they live up to that potential. When you look up uh, at the secondary, when you look at the defensive line, really the only position group is, is inside linebacker where you know what these guys can do because of uh, the extended snaps we've seen from those guys. But along the, the defensive line and in the secondary, the outside linebacker role, it's all about these guys now going and living up to their potential and, and getting that development this spring in order to take the next step. It's just interesting to see how the, those expectations for each side of the ball have flipped from last year to this year. Well, and listen, you've, you lost a, an experienced and a pretty veteran team that, that grew and got better on the defensive side of the ball. So, I mean, they, they lived up to those, those expectations, what we knew they could do last season. They went out there and, and they, they proved it in the running game and in the passing game that, that that defense was better than what we've seen in years past. It's good enough to, to win a yes. lot of ball games. Mm-hmm. They, they did enough defensively to win offense was was dragging flipping it around the offense is going to expected and maybe unfairly so we'll get some some thoughts from babcock on this but the offense is the assumption is the offense going to take it will make a jump we'll make a jump in being able to run the ball the offense the assumption is they're going to be able to uh, to make a jump in in some of the uh, controlled passing part right where did nebraska struggle they struggled throwing the football in the red zone they struggled throwing the football across the middle of the field right i mean it just wasn't it wasn't uh, always consistent. They struggled protecting the quarterback to drop back and throw, right? When you when you look at the numbers where Adrian was harassed 41% of the time, right? That's got, that's got a shift. So the offense may be trending upward, 
despite all the changes and because of what you have at running back or what you think you can get out of the running game uh, with a pretty uh, seasoned quarterback. There's just a lot more experience. Casey Thompson coming the, in. Yeah, more experience along the entire offense. Even the, the offensive line, which struggled a little bit. They got it, most of them a year of Big Ten play under their belts now, if not more. Uh, so, again, it's about can you do what we brought you here to Nebraska to do, the, 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 that – we saw what you could do last year. We saw some of your weaknesses. Can you improve the weaknesses? Can you can you live up to what we know your strengths are? And can you just get the job done? Let's hear from Mickey Joseph. Uh, and, and a name that's been pretty uh, good this spring has been Oliver Martin. We heard from Oliver last week. A little bit more from Mickey Joseph on what type of player Oliver Martin is and just kind of his journey. Uh, he was asked about Martin today. Oliver's a kid that, you know, that um – he, 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 he didn't have a lot of confidence in himself, and, and I always talk to him about believing more in himself because he's a really good player. He's a really good player, and he showed a lot of explosiveness in, in this spring that he can run by people, and he's got really good hands, and he's a really high football IQ guy. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen with him in the summer into fall camp. So Martin's a guy that you can – place a wager on to, uh, to to maybe do a futures bet with, right? What, what kind of year and what can you get out of him? Alante Brown's been the name to really emerge and kind of thrive this uh, this winter and into spring as a, a potential wow guy. You know the talent's there. You know the, the, the quickness is there. He's really been tapped into by Mickey Joseph. Omar Manning's also a guy you're waiting to, to take over a ball game, right? Can he be uh, a 2.0 version of a Mo Purify and, and dominate a ball game in a red zone. Uh, he's made big catches. Can he do it every Saturday for you? Here's Mickey on Omar. Yes, we, he started in the slot, and um, he picked that up, and then we moved him back out to X, and that, that's really helped him. So we, we think his natural position is going to be X, but the best thing about it, he proved that he can learn two positions. So he learned R, then he went to X, and he's been fine. That is really nice because you had Omar working inside for quite a bit, and then you had uh, the Xavier Betts situation happen. So Omar's been working back on the outside. You have options with Palmer, with Martin, with Omar, with Alante Brown, with Trey Palmer. I mean, you, you have an embarrassment of riches. You had eight or nine guys that have worked their way in. Uh, Mickey did offer uh, an update here. Mitch Sherman asked him, you know, where things stand right now with Xavier Betts. Yeah, we visit with Xavier right now. He just he's not on the team right now, but we visit with Xavier, and we're going to visit that again down down the road. You know, like I say, it's going to be Frost' decision about what he wants to do with him. But you know, my thing with Xavier, Xavier's going to all be a part of me, you know, and then part of this program. But um, like I said, we'll, we'll deal with that down the line. You know, we, we tell him like this: if you're here or not. They're not gonna. They're gonna kick the ball off. If Coach Mickey's not here, they're not gonna say, "Okay, let's let's postpone the game until I'm ready." No, we got to have people, the guys in the building. That's who we're gonna play with. Last thought here from Mickey before we check in with Mike Babcock, Casey Thompson. There's familiarity, obviously, with Mickey and, and Charles Thompson, and then of course uh, you have Casey coming in and uh, the favorite to, to be the guy at quarterback. And how have things looked this spring with Casey? Yeah, I, I think with Casey, Casey's a, you know the same way. He's you know he's he had to transition you know from Austin, Texas to Nebraska. And I think he's doing a really good job, and I think he's he's getting the point where he's he's learning who he's throwing the ball to. He's seeing it, he's seeing it better right now, and I think that um, you know we all got to have a good summer on the offense side of the ball. 
we all got to have a good summer. And I think the summer is going to be big for Casey with the receivers. That is so important because it is it is a continued work in progress with the offense because of some of the pieces not there, some of the pieces you're working with, and you really haven't pared it down. It's just been different quarterbacks, different receivers, and when we talk familiarity and, and getting in rhythm and trust and all those things, that is that is going to be a, a lot of work, and we'll hear more from Mickey here as the hour goes on. And, and I think my big takeaway from that quote there is not – it's it's not a big summer for Casey to differentiate himself from the other quarterbacks in the room. It's it's a big summer for him to get comfortable with the wide receivers, which leads me to believe no quarterback battle this summer, and that's what we've been hearing through the spring. But it's uh it's it's gonna be interesting to to know who the starter is all all summer long, and I guess everyone in the team know it as well. Well, and you, we'll see Smothers, we'll see Harburg perform, right? We'll see Casey Thompson perform on Saturday. Uh, what's it going to mean? We'll talk with Mike Babcock next. Tale Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! The uh, Day of Mike's kickoff. Mike Leach coming up less than an hour. Mike Shuhart on the way to talk. Masters, uh, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Mike Babcock right now from Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, you blown away yet? How you doing? Uh, yeah, it's a little windy, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> should be interesting Nebraska baseball tonight. Yeah, it should be. We uh, will we'll get there in a moment, and uh, we'll see if the Big Red keep uh, their uh, their offense rolling. And it's like when the wind's blowing out at Wrigley, maybe it'll be uh, that way for the Big Red tonight. But what uh, what caught your eye today after practice with uh, with Mickey and uh, of course uh, Mickey uh, making the return for the first time in a long time to, Mo- to Memorial Stadium for a game day uh, like atmosphere Saturday? Well, you know, I uh, we've talked about this before. I think he was a great addition to the staff. Um, I think he's a very uh, demanding coach. And I think we get a sense of that when he talks about players and, and when he when he needs to back off, like he talked about, uh, you know, his relationship with Oliver Martin or the fact that he maintains contact with Xavier Betts. I mean, he, he does does the right thing in those situations, but I think he's a very demanding coach. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Nebraska brought him in. Um, I wasn't, again, I wasn't overly... Uh, excited about the fact that they got rid of four offensive assistants last year. Um, that's a tough thing always, but uh, certainly it's it's good to have Mickey on staff, and and you see that every time every time uh, he talks. And I noticed after he got done up front today, he got stopped by about three or four reporters and spent quite a bit of time. He was there almost the entire time that we were there, um, finishing with the other interviews. So. Um, that shows what kind of interest there is here. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity. Mike, what what is something you're looking forward to on Saturday? Uh, are you going to be able to learn anything uh, and project, or is it just another practice to you? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't think that, that we're in a position to learn anything, even if I was smart enough to learn something. <laughs> um, because I think that they, you know, obviously – these games, these spring games are televised, you know, in this case, the Big Ten Network's doing the Nebraska. 
and you know coaches don't want to show anything i mean they want to they want to keep it very uh, vanilla and uh, just give the players i think an opportunity to get out on the field and do something between a, a decent crowd i see they sold what 46 little over 46,000 tickets uh, so far and and uh, so there's an opportunity there uh, for the players to get out there and do something but i you know i don't think that uh, again, we're going to see very much in terms of what this Nebraska team is going to look like offensively or defensively uh, come come fall. And and you know it was you know Scott said he'd he'd like to have it be a game. He's not sure if they're going to be in a position to be able to do that. But uh, um, you know that's I like that part of it. I remember in the old days when the spring game featured the uh, number one offense and the number two defense going against the number two defense and the number one offense, at least for the first half. That was always kind of interesting. But, you know, times change, and again, it's you don't want to show anything to to other coaches. You know, Pat Fitzgerald probably sitting home on Saturday watching that game, taking notes. So, Micah, if the the coaching staff is going to be keeping the cards close to the chest, and, I mean, it might not even be a, a traditional game as we know it, what will you be watching for in terms of players or, or, or coaching dynamics or, or really anything? What, what is the, 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 the one or two things you'll be watching for during the spring game, even despite all the weirdness? Well, I'll be interested, Elijah. I'll be interested in seeing, you know, offensive linemen, you know, how they – sort of line up, although, again, that isn't necessarily, you're not going to see uh, first and second teams. You're not going to get a sense of that. And some of the guys that are going to be playing in the fall, uh, you know, aren't going to be out there. Um, because I always talk about uh, the offensive line, how important that is. Uh, obviously, the quarterback play, I want to see what what uh, uh, Casey Thompson looks like. And, and I want to see how uh, Logan Smothers has developed, uh, um, you know, in the year that uh, in the past year. So, um, you know, there'll be things like that. I'm interested to see what the running backs look like when they get out there, um, because I have no sense at all of who's going to who's going to emerge at running back for Nebraska. Um, there's a lot of competition there, uh, as I've said before. Probably at the end of the spring game and when everything shakes out. And guys kind of find out where they stand. There, there might be a, a running back or two that enter the transfer portal. And you know, as you guys talked, uh, a lot of interesting uh, wide receiver competition there because there's a lot of talent. It looks like. Um, and then defense. You know, you've got some position areas where you want to see some guys. You know, who's going to step in uh, for the departed guys in the secondary, for example. But Probably the big thing for me, I just kind of like to see a little bit in the offensive line, you know, who's playing where. And, you know, Hickson's going to be the, I would guess he'll probably be the center. Um, Casey Thompson, I want to see him play some quarterback. Babbers, you look at the bodies at wide receiver, and we've kind of listed them, right? You have Alante and Omar and Martin that's gotten you know, some praise. Uh, of course, uh, you have Palmer. Uh, yeah, Palmer's where I was going next. Uh, the transfer in that can be electric. Do you think Nebraska has a difference maker when it comes to to fall action? Do you think they got a go to guy that can take over a game? Well, uh, 
Yeah, I guess I would have said that last year too, and I I don't know that we we didn't really see that, but um, and and I thought it was a blow when when Xavier Betts uh, uh, decided or is no longer on the team. I right. guess I'll put it that way because we don't know what the situation is there. But um, yeah, a lot of talk about Omar Manning. I I would think that uh, if he moves ahead the way. The indication is right now. I, I think he could be a kind of a guy that could do that. I think Trey Palmer could probably be a kind of guy that could do that. Um, he's he's obviously going to help him in the kick return game too. Um, you know, you just that's going to be interesting to see who steps up because there are multiple guys that maybe could fit that fit that description what you're talking about. But let's see let's see what happens because we really haven't seen. Uh, to the degree that we want, we really haven't seen these guys. Um, again, same with running backs. The only one that re- we really have a good sense of, I think, is uh, Ramirez Johnson, and uh, he get, he gets overlooked, I think, sometimes um, for what he's done, how he's hung in there, and and what he's produced. Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, let's shift gears here, talk some Husker baseball as the Huskers with an impressive series sweep over Ohio State uh, this past weekend. Before we get to what's on deck this weekend, I want to get your takeaways from this series. What was most impressive to you uh, from those three games from the Huskers this weekend? Well, uh, I, thought they got some, I thought they got some good effort from the pitching. Uh, and then when you score 17 runs or whatever it is, you could you – could, you could point out a lot of guys, I guess, that get the job done. The the thing, I kind of said half, half. Um, you know, I, I didn't really quite mean it that way. But last year was kind of a blessing. You know, it was a Big Ten only schedule um, because I think that Nebraska, despite what's happened so far in the non conference, uh, I think Nebraska is probably in a position to still do pretty well in the Big Ten because I don't think it's really strong this year. And uh, and so that's what I took away because I think Ohio State was picked to finish fourth in the Big Ten, and look what Nebraska did to Ohio State, and look what Ohio State has not done to this point. Um, so I think it's a big, you know, I know I know that Rutgers has not had a premier schedule either, but uh, you know Rutgers five and one in the Big Ten I think, and and uh, here's here's the next step, you know, can Nebraska repeat what it did against Ohio State and move forward because I think Nebraska's in a position where it can be very competitive in the Big Ten and still put itself in a position to to get to an NCAA regional. Was last weekend more about what Nebraska did with two outs and runners in scoring position, or was it more about who Nebraska did it against? And I guess that's my question when we talk about, you know, moments of the team, you know, clicking, getting it going, getting some momentum, getting hot, all those things. And, I mean, it's got to start sometime, and you're just doing your job playing who's on the schedule. Cautious about jumping to conclusions, not that you, and you don't do this, but I'm saying, are you reading too much, in, too much into a sweep? Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think people should get too carried away uh, with, the, with the sweep against Ohio State, but – you know the way things had gone uh, to that point, um, it's a positive. Anything like that's a positive, and and that's why I say it'll be interesting to see what happens with Rutgers if you can continue to do that, um, and then maybe we'll see the Nebraska team uh, some semblance of the Nebraska team that we thought we would see 
going into the season, the one that was picked to win the Big Ten. Um, because, you know, maybe Nebraska, maybe we'll find out after the Rutgers series if Nebraska pl- plays well enough to sweep this series or, you know, certainly take two out of three. Um, Nebraska still might be in a position where it could win the, the Big Ten. I, you know, I don't know. I can't get a sense of um, who I expect. Maybe Iowa is, is better than than what I expected. But, um, you know, it's, it's just you said it right. You just have to play the team, whoever's on the other side of the, of the field of you. Uh, that's the team that you have to play, and you have to do what you do and, uh, and get some confidence. That's the other thing. Confidence is an important part of what this Nebraska team needs, and that's what they took away, I think, from, from the Ohio State series is some confidence finally. So, and I, I, you know, I don't want to look past uh, UNO tonight, mm-hmm. but um, certainly the Rutgers thing would, would tell us something, I think. Well, tonight is key to keep it rolling if you're Nebraska baseball and keep the momentum, keep the win streak, and then jump in Friday, Saturday, Sunday to, to handle your business at home uh, and, and keep the train going in the right direction. Mike Babcock with us. Babbers, real quick here, about 10 seconds. What's coming up from you with Hale Varsity? We're just uh, getting ready to uh, start proofing and go to press uh, next week with this issue. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that, obviously. There's a, there, there's a, a lot of stuff that uh, goes into the proofing part, and I think that's what separates us, puts us, puts us, separates us from uh, other publications of, of that sort. Well, good enough. Babbers, we'll see you Saturday, bud. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, there he is, Mike Babcock. Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge, Master's Thoughts next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, he might have the old green polo on right now. We welcome in Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey to talk some Masters with us. Shuey, how far could you bomb it off the tee box with the wind at your back right now? Pretty good. I'm going to play all the downwind holes, none of the into the wind hole. You're, you're telling me you're going 350 off the box. That's right. Shuey's going to hit it low and slow, baby. Just <laughs> swing easy when it's breezy. How excited are you for, for tomorrow and, and this weekend? I uh, love it. Masters is the best. I mean, that is the first major, kind of the kickoff to the golf season. I mean, it's just always an exciting tournament. Always well, exciting. It is. And uh, you got the man that's back. That's Tiger. And uh, after kind of reading through and seeing his his training, right? I mean, he, he's walked the course. He's played. Uh, what is a successful week for Tiger? Finish. I, I think if he can finish 18 holes, I mean, uh, 72 holes, that'd be uh, an accomplishment. You know, it's kind of like I listened to one of his press conferences, and it's like, you know, as far as ball striking, you know, that's there. It's just his, can he handle the up and down for four straight days? You know, and he's he's been there doing it now for three days. You got to add another four of that under the gun in competition. It's a little different when the gun goes off. You know, so, and depending on what the weather does, you know, if it, they get a bunch of rain and it's a little harder to move. So, I mean, 
I think that's his biggest challenge. And I think for him too, is like, can he basically physically make it four days in a row? You know, the wear and tear on his, on his leg more from walking than it is swinging. Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf, Hale Varsity Radio, Masters Week, Tigers return. And how, I don't know, Tiger, obviously you may or may not, or you, you have a little bit closer connection anyway, just because of, you know, where you are uh, in the world of golf. My thought and my question is this, uh, how much is the love and positive vibes going to do Tiger good this weekend? A lot. I mean, people are, I mean, everybody just, you, they show little clips of him walking out of the range and, and seeing the other players and, and big smiles on their faces. I mean, Tiger means so much when he's in the field. I mean, he just, he, the masters is great, but you add Tiger back into it, especially with the storyline behind him, you know, and it, it makes it that much better, you know, and he, he's loved out there by everybody, you know, cause they know what he means to the game. And he's a good dude. I mean, he's just a he's a professional golfer, you know, that is incredible. I mean, probably the best, if not the best, one of the best that's ever played the game. So, I mean, it's always it's always cool to be around uh, somebody of that caliber. Mike, do you think after such a, a long layoff from Tiger, we'll get to some other golfers here in just a second, I promise, but after such a long layoff for your first tournament back to be the Masters, is that, you think, add pressure to the situation or knowing, I mean, just uh, that you're almost lucky to be on a golf course again, do you you think it's going to take the pressure off for him this weekend uh, knowing you're back at the Masters and no one's really expecting you to go out there and win it? Exactly. I I think he he doesn't have really any pressure on him, you know, because he's not been playing. He's not like he's at the top of his game doing things, a lot of expectations, you know, they're just happy to see him back. And uh, they just want to watch him play golf. They could care less how he plays, you know. Tiger is going to put more of that pressure on himself because obviously he's a competitor, you know, and he says it all the time. He says, I would not play in the event unless I really felt like I had uh, a legitimate chance to to win, you know. So it's like he's the one going to put more pressure on himself than anybody else. Everybody else is just glad to see him. Shuey, who are you liking for the 2022 Masters? Give me a couple of names. I like Justin Thomas, and my dark horse is Corey Connors. Okay. That's that's the dark horse. What do you like about Connors, and what do you like about JT? Well, a couple of things you got to be able to do at the Masters. You know, one is you got to have a little experience playing there. You got to be able to – you got to be a, a good ball striker, especially with your irons. You got to be able to be a good iron player. Both those guys, and you got to be able to move the ball. So, and you got to have enough skill and command and confidence that you can move the ball left to right, right to left, get into some of those pin locations. And uh, Corey Connors is a thank you green hitting machine, so he hits a lots of greens. Um, he's on a good run. JT's he's just he's going to win one of those eventually because he. He has all the attributes it takes to win. Uh, he and he moves the ball. He likes to move the ball. He hit low. He can hit high. Left. He can hit right. You know, and he's had a good run there. So, you know, that's why I like JT Corey Connors, guy nobody's really heard of or hadn't heard of much of. 
you know, from Canada, and uh, he silently put himself in position. And he, again, he kind of has all the attributes that uh, he can win. He's gonna. It'd be a little tougher for him to win just because the moment's going to be if he puts himself in position. The moment of the Masters and trying to win the Masters. That's 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 hard to deal with unless you've done it a few times. You know, Justin's been there, been close, been close, been close. You know, so he knows he can get there. Just a matter of getting it done. Mike, you, you mentioned one of the the, the top guys in, in Justin Thomas. He's according to Vegas, uh, second best odds to win the Masters this weekend. Uh, other guys in that top five: John Rahm, uh, Dustin Johnson. You got, uh, excuse me, uh, Scotty Scheffler, and you also have uh, Rory McIlroy. Any, any thoughts on those other four names? Yeah, I mean they all have one thing in common: they're great iron players. If you look at their statistics. They're they're really high up on greens hitting regulation, which is a common theme amongst guys that are competitive. You know, at the Masters, used to be a guys that could hit it. You know, they all hit it a long ways now. So now it's guys that are really good, have great control of their iron game, their ability to work the golf ball, and their ability to work the golf ball to to keep the ball basically on the right side of the pin where the pins are. That's why a great iron player is, is always pretty competitive there. Shuey, if you're picking dinner for the Masters champion, what are you ordering? Oh, man. Um, that dinner was different what I saw this year. But Yeah, you had sushi, but you also have Kobe beef. You had a re- Kobe ribeye, man. I know it. He went all out <laughs> on that. <laughs> I don't know. what I'd do some type of a pasta, like a... Shrimp scampi pasta. Okay. Garlic butter. Yummy. All right. Any appetizer? A little just or just bread? Just a little bread. That'd be good. A little wine. Start okay. things off. And then finish it off with a really good carrot cake. Look at you. Off the top rope. You and your carrot cake. I love it. <laughs> you are uh, you are on top of that. Carrot cake's a great call. <laughs> Shuey, uh, real quick here. Uh, folks, well, they want to be a member at Wilderness, how do they get it done? Yeah, just uh, Tammy Nagel. She's our uh, membership uh, director. So you can go online, get on her website, find her information, give her a call. Um, and she can hook you up. So it's membership drive uh, has been going great. I mean, people are flocking in, so it's been it's been really fun to see a lot of new faces already out here. So um, taking the covers off the pool, starting to get ready to put some water in them. So things are moving along. So it's exciting. Chewy, I'll see you at that swim up bar, buddy. I know it. Can't wait. Thanks so much. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big time next hour as well. Mike Leach, the Pirate, going to be with us to kick off hour two. Spring ball, streaming TV shows, and uh, first pitches in baseball. We'll cover it all with the Pirate. Reminder about buckling up with your friends at the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink, don't drive? Uh, A message from the Nebraska Department 
of Highway Safety Office. So plenty of spring football thoughts from Babbers. We shared some as well. You heard from Mickey Joseph and Steve Marek from Hale Varsity will cover Nebraska UNO tonight. We'll get his take before first pitch here uh, after the Pirate and uh, get his thoughts on some spring football too. So uh, Ty Robinson weighing in, and, and we'll dive a little further into that with just uh, what he thinks of the defense. He's pretty bullish on the defense. Mickey Joseph made it very clear about how important the summer workload is going to be for the offense, for the wide receivers, for the passing game to get on the same page with the quarterbacks and wideouts. More from Mickey here as uh, the finish line is January uh, it ain't done after uh, Saturday. Here is the wide receiver coach. No, haven't. Like I said, it's no finish line. We've got we to have a big summer ahead of us. We've got a lot of work to do. And they understand that. I understand that. You know, because you, you, can't, you can't say, hey, it's spring football. You know, I, I love the spring game. I really do. But at the end of the day, they're not going to count that spring game in October. You know, they're going to start counting when we play Northwestern. So we got to have a really, after this spring game, we put this to rest. We got to have a really good summer. We talked about that, about having a great summer for us just working and still getting to know each other now. They're still filling me out. I'm still filling them out, getting to know my players. But I think that this summer is going to be really, really important for us. You know, the thing about Mickey that's impressive is not only his his background and he's uh, seen it and done it at a lot of spots and with high-level dudes, He's made them better. But the, the, the part about Joseph that is going to be difference-making for Nebraska is his ability to connect with the kids and care. And, and he's laying it out, man. Look, they, they still are trying to process me. As Babber said, he, he is a, an uber high-demanding coach. And you got to have that. Yeah. You, you, expect that but you're getting that and uh this guy is is pushing the right buttons and, and he knows he really cares about figuring out the personality of who's playing for him and and being that mentor that guy that he can engage with that guy that will go out there and, and put the extra effort in not only because he says so but because they want to do it for him uh that is that is what it's all about, is getting guys to go perform and, and genuinely caring about somebody uh, on the field and off. So we'll uh, spend some time here with Mike Leach. Remember, the podcast is free for you. And uh, download us, subscribe to us on demand, all the interviews on ESPN Lincoln, the full podcast on Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. Just dial up Hail Varsity Radio. Give us a rating, good, bad, ugly. We'll take all comers and love your feedback. But uh, without further ado, the Pirate is on deck. Mike Leach next with Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, Hour 2 at Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Steve Morick coming up here in just a bit. We will uh, check in now and say hey to our friend the Pirate, Mike Leach, Mississippi State, with us here on Hale Varsity. Coach, how we doing? 
I'm doing good. How you been? Been good. Just keeping busy and following Junior around with baseball. How's spring ball treating you? Been pretty good. We're getting better. Um, you know, it's uh, we have a lot of enthusiasm. We go out there. We're enthusiastic. We're raw and sloppy at times, but we do a lot of good things. With uh, with spring ball, you know, who is is it you? Is it your assistants? Is it guys that are back that help kind of lead that energy? Well, I think our assistants do a good job, but just Mississippi in general. And I think part of it, because growing up, they didn't have a lot of other things, but they're always enthusiastic to get out there and play and to hit one another. And so I think our team's like that. We have a very close team. Um, and part of it is, is I think you know, starting back, they're approximately the same age, which was freshman, uh, sophomore, and then even delayed further by the COVID year. So I think they're used to being around each other and really enjoy each other's company. And it's, it's one of the closest teams I've ever been a part of. And generally speaking, it's good. It's, it's usually good. But close can also mean comfortable, where you're just comfortable with where you're at and, you know, uh, everybody's happy. And, and then uh, there's not quite the pressure to perform that you would like at times. But we do seem pretty competitive. I'm still kind of waiting to see how it comes out. But, you know, we're playing hard and we're doing some good stuff. Mike Leach with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, the Pirate uh, Mississippi State head coach, and chatting and getting caught, and caught up. And you guys started spring ball a couple weeks back. And I wanted to ask you about uh, it is baseball season. It gets going tomorrow. Is there a, a Mike Leach moment on the mound? Have you ever thrown out the first pitch? You know, I have thrown out the first pitch, and you'll think I'm lying, but I'm not. <laughs> I threw it out at a minor league team. Uh, let me see. I've thrown it out at uh, Texas Tech, at a minor league team in Midland, at a minor league team in Iowa. It seems like I'm missing one. Um, the Houston Astros, too. I threw it out at the Houston Astros. And, and always invited to do it at the Texas Rangers, but they were during the season and stuff. And the weirdest thing, and I can't do this going out there right now. I mean, I've always been able to throw, so to speak, but um, every one of them was a strike. And, I mean, I didn't do that stuff where you go in the fringe of the grass. I'd go to the mound because I'd mess up the mound. I'd make sure they had to rake that mound again. You know, if you're going to have me throw out the opening pitch, no, no, you're raking your mound again. (laughs) <laughs> and then um, and the other thing is, is because you get hustle bustled in, you don't have time to warm up or anything like that. And I'm a little stunned to say this myself to the positive. They've all been strikes. Every one of them has been a strike. And, and what's crazy about that is I can't go out there on our practice field right now, have somebody hold the glove and get the distance and throw five in a row strikes. You know, I, I could maybe throw it, and we call it striker ball, and I don't walk the guy. I mean, that could possibly happen, but there's no way I throw five in a row strikes. No chance. But for, I don't know, for uh, uh, luck or good karma or something, um, they've all been strikes. Mike Leach with us. It's got to be rising to the moment, man, right? You're feeding off the crowd. Well, and worse yet, you're throwing downhill, you know, because you're, I mean, how many times you, 
how often you think I've thrown off of a mound in the last 40 years or whatever. And um, five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Five. So, you know, you know, instinctively, you know, you got to aim low. And, um, now I do the full wind up too, because you're getting your money's worth. And I'm surprised every time it happens, you know? So what, what's your motion like? Are you a Juan Marichal? Are you Dan Quisenberry, a submarine artist? Mm-hmm. What's your, what's your motion like? No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of three quarters. So basically, you know, hands together at the front. And then the most important thing is the guy needs to be able to balance up. I mm-hmm. would say average, average leg kick, but I do kind of, you know, bring it up so it's parallel. And, and, you know, if you're a good pitcher, I used to coach baseball. If you're a good pitcher, you should be able to hold it in that position. I mean, then you're balanced, right? Yeah. So I try to get it to there. So it'll be hands uh, hands in front, hands over the head as I torque and uh, balance up. And then just try to make sure that foot comes, aims at the glove and my and my arms over the foot, pretty much, you know. And then, oh, I also uh, try to, I also try to stare a hole into the, the glove. Never take your eyes off the glove because a lot of times your body will follow your eyes. And then, of course, off that mound, you want to aim a little low because you're not used to throwing that. But again, it's not like you're going to get warm ups. You know, <laughs> no, you don't. They take you underneath the stadium. You know, take a few pictures. Hi, nice to meet you. Glad you're here. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, uh, nowhere to warm up. And you just go throw the sucker, and, and then you get a free baseball. What'd you hit at the gun? Have you been timed? No, no. I do. I'm not trying to be overpowering if I throw in the first pitch. <laughs> you just want to strike. <laughs> I'm just trying to hit it. But the thing is, if you backed off too much, if you back off too much, it's going to alter your motion, and you're not going to be any good. So I, I try to have a nice, smooth, crisp motion. Coach, the uh, question everyone wants an answer from from you, Will Smith, Chris Rock, real or fake? I think it's real. What do you I think? I think it's real. I think there's a, there's a point to where, you know, folks get – you know, I think Chris Rock knew he was going to have a big night. Uh, maybe it had some alcohol. Maybe he hadn't. I don't know. But, you know, there's usually a pre-party to these things. You know, and they get to, you know, feeling good about things, feel like they're untouchable. I did think he deserved the best picture. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all things considered, and it was a great movie. And then, um, but no, you can't go up and assault and batter somebody on national television in front of millions of people around the world and not face any consequences. I mean, if, you know, the argument to be made, you ought to go to jail for a while. Because uh, it's ill. I mean, that's illegal in every country on earth that mm-hmm. I can think of. And then Chris Rock, I thought, was a total champ. You know, took it. Went with, just like they teach in improv, took it. Went with it. And continued to joke almost without missing much of a beat other than the general recovery from the blow, you know? he It was awkward, it was uncomfortable, and he kept on rolling. Yeah, he sure did. Mike Leach with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, two trailers have been released in the last two weeks. 
you have Better Call Saul that starts up the 18th, and then, of course, the final six episodes of Ozark. Any prediction? What happens to Saul? What happens to Marty Bird? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. It's going to be tough to let either of them go. Um, they're certainly going to be tempted to do more. Mm-hmm. In both cases. I, I don't know on the finale. Um, I think Saul's a little harder to predict, to be honest. Ozarks, I can see Ruth coming away with everything. Yeah. Uh, better call Saul. Now, usually finales on these shows aren't... Um, they're not bad, and I don't want to diminish any of the shows, but sometimes the finales can be uh, uncharacteristically bad. Yeah. And, and part of it is because is all the cats are out of the bag. <laughs> you know, you've spent however many seasons releasing the cats, and you're just out of cats, you know. Now, there is one exception to that. Like, uh, uh, on one hand, I get the Sopranos finale, yeah. okay? But on the on the other hand, I don't think anybody was fully satisfied. No, I, I did think it illustrated the paranoia that collectively you placed yourself in, and that you would feel, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ultimate finale of all time and the best episode of the show was Breaking Bad. The finale of Breaking Bad was outstanding and epic. I mean, just incredible, like to the point when they did the little movie afterwards, that thing didn't have a chance because, I mean, you're following the the grand finale of Breaking Bad with that. I mean, it's just got no chance, you know. I think I think El Camino plays in to, to Saul's ending. I think Jesse and Saul end up up in Alaska together. I, I, I yeah, it appears that way. But um, and then I do think it backgrounds stuff a little bit. And it tucks a corner or two in, mm-hmm. okay. But how about that? And, and, and I and I've talked a lot about Breaking Bad, and it's a it's a very good show. I can't, I don't know, that's my favorite, but because um, actually Saul was my favorite character on that. <laughs> um, yeah, you go to law school, and then uh, <laughs> and then uh, what a finale that was, though. That I mean, just great. unbelievable. It just an unbelievable finale, and 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 how they arrived at that finale after so many twists and turns and jumps in that plot over the years. The finale of Breaking Bad is just epic, and then because I almost didn't finish Breaking, but you know I started the first season, and yeah. I thought the first season of Breaking Bad was quite boring. But you have to introduce the characters, and there would always be a cliffhanger at the end of each episode, so they drug me along. But it's very important introduce all the characters and the second season did not start out well for me after the third episode i said all right one more if it doesn't pick up i'm out and then i gave it one more well then it explodes you know and then and then you know yeah and throughout you're wondering why they had the name breaking bad and boy it was breaking bad i mean everybody on that play on that show turned bad Mm -hmm. uh remember when everybody on that show was handicapped yeah. For a while, for a while, every character's handicapped. Okay, so the detective's handicapped. The kid's handicapped. Uh, I mean, there and I counted it up. There are like five handicapped at all the same time. Something broken, something busted, something, you know, gone. Coach, last thought. Mike Leach with us, Mississippi State head coach. Did you 
grow up with a girl in high school like Ruth from Yellowstone? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was Wyoming. I'll tell you this. We did have this. Uh, once in a while, those rodeo girls would start fighting over a guy or just be mad about something. <laughs> and so you'd be in the quad. And it wasn't unusual. I mean, not likely, maybe, but there might be the homecoming queen, or not the, the rodeo queen, and she might dip, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but anyway, especially the rodeo girls, but just girls in general. You know, like on Seinfeld, they talk, everybody wants to see a girl fight, and that's true. And then, um, you know, people pretend they don't, but if you're in high school, you definitely do. And... Um, <laughs> And so, I don't know, I remember these two rodeo girls got upset with one another. And so you come to the quad after lunch. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows it's going to come down. And they're kind of circling around. And everybody's in their little group looking to see where this girl is, that girl is. And then all of a sudden, they bolt towards each other and collide in the middle. And then the other thing... And it's a combination of a fist and claw. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A fist and claw, and I, which is honestly quite effective. You know, delivering blows, but also yanking out the handfuls of hair. And they 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 got after it like uh, like damn. Uh, uh, in a cat to say they got after it like cats is not quite accurate. Because there's a little more brutality in the punch there. Their daddies had taught them to punch. <laughs> I bet. And, um, <laughs> and I, you know, growing up with horses and all that. So then, uh, <laughs> no, nah, and then it went on for like like three days. Really? Know? At lunch, you go out there again, and they just start bolting for each other. And, um, you know, in the end, I'm not sure they weren't cousins. Um or distant cousins or something, but I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, they, uh, yeah, no, I mean, they, there were some roofs in there. No, there were, no, they weren't all roofs. I mean, Wyoming's a great place, the most straightforward people on earth. And, and uh, also typically uh, do, you know, like Mississippi, you know, work hard, do stuff with their hands that they take for granted that other people are like, what are you doing? You know, what are you touching? What are you, what you're going to grab that, you know, and um, and they uh, they uh, and so the women were tough, you know. But then they, you know, also just some you know, just some very delightful people, just uh, great people. But uh, no, you didn't want to cross. There was definitely folks you didn't want to cross. Mike Leach with us. So I, I had to, to figure out if there was a Beth in the crowd, and you said all of them. That's pretty good. No, Coach, it wasn't all. It wasn't, they, were all they were all that tough, but they weren't all that ruthless. Not bad. Me. Coach, we'll uh, get caught up after spring ball and, and check in before summertime. How's that sound? Sounds good. Anytime. Take care, bud. Appreciate it. All right. See you. He's in his 30s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. 
Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big thanks to Mike Leach. That podcast uploaded on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter. Also, the on-demand ESPNLincoln.com. I screwed up initially on the question with the Pirate. If there was anybody from uh, from Wyoming that he went to school with that reminded him of, of Ruth from, from Ozark. I meant Beth, of course, from Yellowstone. I got... Beth and Ruth confused, and that'd be that'd be a showdown, man. Between Beth and Ruth, uh, I, I think Ruth is, you know, enraged because of all of her family loss. I think Beth is just ticked off at the world, and uh, is is ruthless. So the pirate went into to, to great detail about the rodeo, the buckle bunnies. Uh, he grew up with, and I didn't ask if it was, you know, uh, Beach Nut or, or Kodiak or Long Cut, Cope, probably Copenhagen. He's like, yeah, the the, 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 the rodeo queens chewed. <laughs> now, can, can I just, I'll add really fast. I still have yet to see Yellowstone. Am I missing out? Oh, yeah. And I was the, I thought I was the last guy in the world to watch Yellowstone. It's awesome. It's great. Okay, because I, I know that I think they have the first couple of episodes free on Amazon. So I, maybe I'll add that to my list for tonight. I think you need to to start it. It's really well done. And I just DVR them all when they were running the Yellowstone kind of binge before season four's finale. So I I have season one through four. It's saved on my DVR, and my wife's heard enough about it that I think she's going to. Um. To start watching it, I would rewatch it with her. Breaking Bad is something we watch together. Usually, we don't watch anything together at all. Uh, S Creek, we kind of got into that. She's watched that a thousand times, but for the most part, she'll walk in and there'll be some show I'm watching, and there there may be um, some nudity, right? And immediately say, "What are you watching?" But I swear to you, every show she watches. Like, oh, you know, you know, when I was a kid, you had to pay nine ninety nine a month for this stuff. What, what are you watching? And, oh, it's, there's some show that's on, I forget what it's called, but I'm like, wow, that chick's hot. And you just say it out loud and she kind of shoots you the look. I'm like, you're the one watching that on the, on the, the 50 inch. Let me tell you what though, watching a uh, game of Thrones as a yes. high school at my dad's house, he was he was petrified he was all in. for what I was watching. <laughs> no, he, was, he, he faked like he was petrified. He was all in. Uh. Oh, yeah, season one, Game of Thrones, it's all good. And that's, you, know, you start watching Game of Thrones because, again, you're the last person in the world that hasn't seen X, Y, and Z. And you start watching it, and immediately she comes down and is like, well, what, what are you watching? Well, this is the Game of Thrones, sweetie. You want to sit down and watch? I'm not interested in that. But this this Victorian era drama she's watching is nothing but locked doors and passion. Have you seen that video of the it's like this probably four or five year old kid on a plane um, and he's sitting next to a, a, a like a, an adult who is watching a show that has one of those racy scenes going on. The kid is just like locked in on the screen. <laughs> this flight is awesome. Best flight of his life. <laughs> Oh, no, that was kidding. pretty good. <laughs> well, we will try and effort Steve Marek with us to talk some Husker baseball 
the reality is this. Uh, you have the teams play one another four times. Each team has got a walk-off win. Nebraska answered UNO's uh, initial walk-off win with one of their own. But big night for, for Drew Christo. Super talented kid. Uh, ERA is not where he wants it, but Christo ready to go. Jackson Gordon, the righty for UNO, and and Gordon has logged some impressive innings against UCLA. Uh, He has logged some impressive innings uh, against uh, some pretty in in, uh, Arkansas, Creighton. Those are three teams that you know Gordon is uh, has been on the hill against. So Nebraska won't phase him. There's some juice. Let's welcome in Steve Morick. With us, uh, with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, covers Nebraska baseball, covers Nebraska football. We'll get to some spring ball. But, Steve, thanks for the time, bud. And uh, I thought tonight here, what are you, uh, what, what does tonight tell you? Is it just a midweek game, or does it mean more at this point in the year for Nebraska baseball? Oh, I think it means more, um, for sure, just um, after how Nebraska looked, you know, at, at, in Columbus, um, taking that um, – doing the sweep over the Buckeyes, I think they need to that, – that was a really good thing to happen for this team. And I think, you know, if they could um, take that over to, to this game against a, an in-state team like UNO and, and come out with a victory, I think it's going to, you know, go do really, really good things um, for these players and, and this program here. Just to take what they got um, in Columbus with that sweep and, and to just build on it. And especially with Rutgers coming, coming to town, one of the better – uh, teams in the conference, I think that's going to go a long ways if they can get out of here, um, get out of Omaha with a win. What, what's your assessment so far, Drew Christo? Well, um, you know, everybody I think kind of wants him to um, automatically just, you know, step onto the mound and, and look like a major league pitcher, um, but I, I just don't think it's going to go um, go quite like that. And, you know, it's nothing against Drew. I think it's just, you know, there's a transition there that's happening, and then I think the the players are um, and, and the coaches especially are kind of working with him and, and trying to get him to be the best pitcher that he can be right now. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's just a, a true freshman pitcher who's, who's learned how to, how to uh, pitch to college baseball batters. And I, and I think it's, it's going to take, take some time. And um, I, don't, I don't think there's any rush with, with Drew. He's a good pitcher. He has, he has good stuff. And I think he's just going to, you know, take some time and, and you know, find, find his way um, in college baseball, and I have no doubt that that's going to happen. But, you know, when that's going to happen, I'm not really sure, but he's got time to figure that out. Steve, I mean, this is going to be for the, the, the season series here tonight against UNO uh, with the Huskers winning game one, or excuse me, losing game one, walk-off fashion, and then you thought maybe they turned a corner in game two whenever they got uh, the come-from-behind win against UNO. But now this one's for the season series. Do you think there's any extra motivation coming off that, uh, that loss to Creighton? Now you get uh, another shot at another in-state foe. Is that extra motivation, or is this uh, a letdown spot here with, with a big series coming up this weekend? No, I, I completely agree with you that there, it's, there's some extra motivation with this. Um, I, I go back to that Ohio State series and, and how they um, won all of those games in, in convincing fashion almost. And um, I, I just think that they really want to use this, use this game um, against Omaha as kind of a springboard into that um, Rutgers uh, series at home. Um, this this weekend, so I, I think this. I don't want to call this a must win, but man, it, they they really really want to get this win um, against a team that you know they, that they should be you know from um, whenever whenever they uh, get together on a baseball time. And so I just think that you know that there was a positive there was a positive shift with that series 
uh, sweep against the Buckeyes and, you know, come down and, and to play a, play an in-state team like Omaha. A lot of the players know some of the Nebraska kids. A lot of the Nebraska kids play the, know, know the Omaha kids. I just think this is a pretty big game, even even being just a, a midweek game on a Wednesday with you know the wind howling out in 40 40ish degrees temperature out here. Uh, it's going to be a rough game, but you know I, I think there's extra motivation for these guys to for Nebraska to get on the bus and then go home with the win tonight. Steve Marks with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. He'll have his eyes on Nebraska UNO tonight and then uh, be uh, front and center for you Saturday with the spring game. So let's talk football. What uh, observations, takeaways from post-practice today? And, and I'll say that Ty Robinson's probably been – it sounded like he's sick of hearing that the defense is off. Fair to say? Uh, excuse me, what was that? Ty Robinson, he, uh, <laughs> he says that, you know, he's pretty bullish on the black shirts. The, uh, the, the talk this spring, Steve, has been that, you know, the offense has won some, some scrimmages. The defense has battled back and, and had their moments as well, but it sounds like Ty wants to, the defense to send a message Saturday. Fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And then, and um, that's a pretty good point from him because he's on a he's on a position group that has kind of been in battle this this uh, this uh, spring because you know you look behind Ty Robinson and, and what is there there isn't a lot of depth behind him. Uh, and we, we know about Casey Rogers and kind of the knee issues he's been playing with in his career at Nebraska. And he's been extremely limited this spring and, and won't be going on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I think it's kind of like for Ty to say that, I think he's kind of feeling like, you know, he could be, he can be the leader of that D line group and he can be, you know, somebody that, that goes in and, and is somebody that the younger guys in that room can really, can really, I guess, you know, look to and, and look for answers and, and kind of learn from. So for him to say that, I think that's kind of a cool moment and, and, and him showing that kind of leadership ability that, you know, he's, he's had to kind of step into with, with all those guys that they lost from last year. And Steve, with, with uh, the offensive coaching staff most likely keeping a lot of their playbook, playing their, their cards a little close to their chest, uh, how, how can this defense impress you on Saturday whenever it's, I mean, most likely going to be a, a, a pretty – bread and butter type offense nothing too flashy coming coming down the pipes from the husker offense how does the defense go about impressing you yeah i'm i'm me personally i think i'm going to break it down kind of individually i mean that's that's i think kind of a good way of doing it because you know there's a lot of new faces that i'm really anxious to see out there and and kind of just on an individual basis if you look at the defensive line or the uh the defensive back room with all those new faces that they brought in I'm really anxious to see guys like Tommy Tommy Hill on the outside. Like, how is he going to look against a guy like Omar Manning? You know, um, there's a lot of different matchups that I'm really interested in seeing and and breaking it down by an individual basis and not really kind of you know if if one offense you know happens to rush for 200 yards, I'm I'm not really going to take much stock into that because you know this isn't a finished product and they're not going to have a lot of the starters out there that they will in the fall. So. Um, Breaking it down by an individual kind of basis is what I'll be doing, and, and I'm really excited to see what some of these new faces, especially in the defensive back room, um, are able to do on Saturday. Steve Marks with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. At Steve underscore Marek on Twitter is where you follow him. Steve, about 30 seconds right now. Who is the star of Saturday, either offense or defense? Oh, man, great question. Um, you know, with these uh, spring games, it's usually – um, kind of a guy that um, uh, pops on Saturday might be a might be a backup, I guess. Uh, backups kind of take the spring game 
um, kind of lore. So uh, let's let's go with um, Porkature. Um, Porkature right. over at tight end. I think he's a I think he's a really interesting guy, and you know the tight end group has kind of been ravaged. Um, ravaged of late, um, and I think he's going to get a lot of reps, so let's go with Nate Borkature, who, by the way, is another state tight end from Aura. So, uh, yeah, let's go with Nate Borkature. little husky love from Steve yeah. Morick. There we go. Steve, we'll see you on Saturday, bud. Thanks for a few minutes today. All right. Thank you, Chris. All right. There he is, Steve Morick, Mike Leach, to get us kicked off. A jock talk on the way. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon, did you get all your basketball filled with the NCAA tournament? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. What, a, what an awesome tourney. <laughs> kind of a crazy game the other night after taking a look at that score at halftime and then watching what happened is pretty amazing <laughs> it was uh, quite a quite a turnaround for kansas and yeah lots of emotion and and it was uh, it was a memorable tournament for sure we shift now to the nba and uh, lonzo ball part of that bulls team and he's been out since january he suffered uh, a torn meniscus and uh, the bulls announcing earlier today that he's done for the season and dr brandon want to get your your first your reaction to uh the the meniscus and i guess dive into some setbacks that are possible try to come back too quick yeah you know so the big thing for him with that meniscus pathology you know, they don't they didn't say specifically whether or not he uh, underwent like a repair of his meniscus or just a cleanup of his meniscus. Um, you know, just rewinding here, talking about, you know, an anatomic uh, position of this. So the meniscus is basically that C-shaped kind of cartilage pad that sits inside the knee in between the two uh, major bones, the tibia and the femur. Um, acts as a shock absorber, a bit of a stabilizer as well. Um, so that's where he had his tear. They didn't say which side it was, but uh, basically has been rehabbing from that. I'm assuming with kind of his timetable they had for him with his recovery, they probably did a repair of the meniscus, meaning they went to try to sew it back together. That's usually about an 8- to 12-week kind of return. Um, you know, the big thing there always with meniscus injuries, especially in a high-level athlete like that, trying to you know have a long career on the professional levels, you want to try to maintain as much meniscus as you can. And so you want to be pretty aggressive about trying to repair this as opposed to just doing a, you know, a cleanup on the meniscus, which used to kind of be the tried and true way. But then we found out longevity-wise, especially as a high-level athlete, it's hard to sustain that if you undergo debris and it, you're better off having it repaired if you can. Obviously, it has to be the right kind of tear. But that's probably what he underwent. Um, he's been rehabbing this. and They've been a little bit quiet just in terms of his rehab, but it's kind of surfaced here recently that uh, he's had some setbacks along the way, and now it looks like they're going to totally shut down the season. Um, at least that's what we're hearing from reports. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us uh, talking Lonzo Ball, a junk doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. And you laid out just the, 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 the new look at, at handling a meniscus. As we talk about setbacks, uh, what are our possible setbacks when it comes to recovery from this injury? Yeah, you know, a lot of, a lot of setbacks can happen along this route. I mean, most of the time, they've had the athletes that just 
such amazing you know, physiology. They, they heal things pretty quickly. But things that can show up along this route, you know, one is you're rehabbing hard. Um, sometimes you'll start to irritate some of that cartilage in the area. So if you remember that meniscus is sitting right on top of that smooth surface, your cartilage in between the bones. Um, you know, having any kind of surgery in that area can create some irritation in the cartilage. Um, as that meniscus is healing, there's obviously some inflammatory response that's associated with that. That can result in some inflammation that happens kind of in the bony level just below where his cartilage is. Um, you can develop kind of some bone bruising in the area. You also can get a bone bruise just from, you know, landing awkwardly, uh, hyperextending the knee. Maybe he did something like that. It sounds like that's kind of what they're nursing along right now is uh, what they call a deep bone bruise. Um, we call it kind of a, a, a chondral contusion. Uh, other things that can happen would be obviously if you're really pushing this thing hard, trying to be maybe push beyond the envelope of what your rehab protocol should be, you could re-injure the meniscus, so you could get a re-tear. Mm. Um, the meniscus doesn't have great blood supply. That's always the big issue here. So even though you're trying to do a home run surgery and repair it, it may be that not all of the meniscus will heal. It may not heal at all, and it may kind of re-tear and result in some you know, catching mechanical kind of similar symptoms. Um, swelling is also an issue. Again, if you're really kind of hitting this hard and you kind of don't give this knee, the knee an opportunity to have the inflammatory response to calm down, then that'll just kind of keep going. And the more swelling you have, then the more it kind of shuts down your quad muscle, which again, slows down your recovery just in terms of how long it takes that quad to come back. Those are some things that can show up. Um, again, it's sounding like it's probably more in that kind of chondral contusion or kind of that deep bone bruise. Sounds like that seems to be his biggest hang-up at this time. Is is it fair to say the meniscus is one of the more temperamental parts of the knee? Yeah, it is. It really is, you know, especially from just an injury perspective. Um, it just does not have great blood supply, even in, you know, fairly young and healthy uh, patients. Um, so, and you really do have to have kind of that right kind of tear to fix it. Um, obviously, really benefits the athlete if it's in an area where there's you know, good blood supply. Uh, but it is finicky, you know, in terms of fixing it. And it really does, you look at it, and it doesn't seem like it would be, you know, that major of a structure, but it really does play a pretty vital role. There's been some really fascinating studies. When they do let them leak out, it's hard to get data from the NFL and the NBA like, to keep that uh, overall research data kind of hidden. But anyhow, when some of that stuff does leak out, it's interesting. There's a pretty good study about some NFL players looking at. You know, if you're an NFL player, you have a meniscus tear. If you just have it cleaned up versus if you have it repaired, um, your longevity in the NFL is quite a bit higher if you have it repaired. Um, and so that's always our first number one goal. Obviously, there's some that just no matter what you do, that unfortunately it's just not a repairable tear. Um, but that's always the goal for these, and it really does play play a role, especially in terms of your longevity of your career. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Lonzo Ball and his knee issue, the setbacks from his knee surgery and that meniscus issue, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. So long-term, when we talk about, about Ball and his skill set, his athleticism, his size, his speed, his quickness and agility, is, is he going to be the same guy coming back from all of this, or is his side-to-side going to be affected? What's the, the long-term effect of uh, a temperamental meniscus when it comes to explosive ability? Yeah, you know, great questions, Chris. So, you know, for him, honestly, it really does depend on, you know, some of that healing potential. If this does heal back well for him, I think he gets back to, you know, playing at a, at a great level, you know, close to where he was before. I think that's very much a possibility. Um, and I even think these next, you know, year or two, I think there's a good chance he gets back to that same level. You know, you and I have talked before on here about, 
what are some things that, you know, slow these athletes down or kind of change their kind of career trajectory. Um, one of those is kind of the cartilage piece. You know, again, that's that smooth layer that sits in between the two bones. It's what allows your bones to glide against one another. Whenever you have these traumatic injuries occur enough to, you know, cause a meniscus injury, we always worry about, you know, the other effects to other structures within the knee, most important of which would be the cartilage. So the question here with Lonzo is if he does have some type of cartilage injury associated with this, that could be one of those things that does kind of maybe change his trajectory. Um, again, maybe you look pretty good for a year or two, but if he does have some pretty significant, you know, kind of cartilage issues, that can be one of those things that just becomes nagging, nagging. So maybe you miss, you know, more games than normal. Um, maybe just can't quite practice at high enough level to, to progress from where he is now. Um, so those are definitely some real possibilities for him. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. And uh, we are talking Lonzo Ball uh, and that uh, meniscus issue as he's lost for the year. The Bulls sitting at uh, six in the playoff race as uh, the uh, second season of the NBA just around the corner. Dr. Brandon, we'll get caught up again. Thanks so much for a few minutes. Hey, you bet, Chris. You guys take care. Good stuff. Uh, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, Dr. Brandon Seifert. Tough news for Ball. Bulls have stayed in the thick of the playoff race. And uh, that is what's up next is NBA postseason. We'll wind down a Wednesday uh, that included Mike Leach, the Pirate, with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour. Don't forget, we are at the Single Barrel Friday, Roadshow Friday, ahead of the spring game. Single Barrel inside the graduate. Come on by, get some goodies. Say hello. You're coming into town for the spring game. You're meeting some folks. How about a big old thick steak and a whiskey? Maybe a beer sounds better. That's okay. Uh, Four to six Friday, Single Barrel, where we're going to be Hale Varsity Roadshow Friday. Pre-game in front of the spring game from 9.30 to 11.30. The weekend edition of Hale Varsity. So they'll have an incredible breakfast set up for you. It is good. It is hearty. It'll uh, fill you up before you march on to 10th and Vine. So we know about Oshan, Mathis, good stuff from Kaz yesterday on, you know, what what checklist Nebraska has in their favor to land the talented pass rusher from TCU. Also, you have uh, Riola coming to town. Two big-time prospects, one that's an immediate help, one that could be a future star, uh, with uh, the Husker connection, uh, when you look at Dominic and, of course, Donnie, and then there's Dylan, who, as a sophomore, started, uh, went uh, went eight and four with uh, just shy of 4,000 yards passing and 40-plus touchdowns, just five interceptions. That'll be intriguing to see the both red carpets rolled out, one for an immediate need defensively in Mathis and then continue to grow that relationship when you're, I mean, you, you're competing against some big dogs for Mathis. Yes. You're really competing against some big dogs for, for Riola with Georgia, Clemson, Ohio state, SC, Oregon, Notre Dame. 
you're competing against the best recruiters in all of college football. Bar none. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the amount of guys that are going to be going after the number one quarterback prospect, that that's what you're up against. But, I mean, you're going up against those teams for good reason. Uh, I mean, a, a guy like Dylan Riola being the number one quarterback, the number one player, uh, according to a couple services, mm-hmm. that's a program changer. Like, you don't end, miss. End of, end of, end of discussion. Well, like, I mean, with, with how just deeply evaluated all the quarterbacks are coming out of high school nowadays. I mean, you have a full four-year evaluation process. You get to watch these guys grow up, essentially. Um, there's fewer and fewer misses. Uh, I'm not talking in terms of which guys are going to go translate and be superstars in the NFL. I'm talking which guys are going to come in and be instant difference makers in college. There's very few misses from the, the five stars of the world, especially at the quarterback position. That guy is an instant program changer if he were to come to Nebraska. Sure. And, and he's a guy, because of what's on campus, not that he couldn't come in and pull a Tommy Frazier, but it's really, really, really rare, right? It, it just is. The thing, too, that, that is, is shaping up well for Nebraska on the offensive end is who they have on the offensive line with, with uh, Donnie, and there's nothing but confidence from Dominic in his brother what he'll do on the offensive line, what Whipple can do and has done. So those are some positives for you for Nebraska. And then factor in Mickey Joseph. We started with Mickey Joseph. We end with Mickey the talent he has and the talent he's going to continue to bring in and wide out for Nebraska. So the, uh, the the alma mater connection's huge. But Nebraska's going to be trying to prove it on the field and also who they have at the skill spots. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity. Thanks.